global shortages are causing farm input costs to skyrocket. A better way to farm shows you how to take control of inputs and maximize profits so you can farm the way you want. Now, from America's heartland, here's your host. Hey, just Tyler here, field agronomist with A Better Way to Farm. Were you aware that our team spends each and every day providing solutions to farmers so that they can grow better crops and make more money? I truly do hope that you're having a great day, and thank you for tuning in. As we journeyed down the rows together on this quest for a healthy mind, we invited another new friend to the show. She grew up on a farm and currently still farms to this day. She practices in rural north-central Illinois in a small town of Sycamore. She lives just outside of Sycamore, but that's kind of the general area. Uh, Most of us growers know the DeKalb, Illinois area. So if that kind of puts a better pin on the map, that's kind of where she's at. She has the ability to not only see you in the office, but also take visits through telehealth, which is a great feature in today's world where we can sit in a tractor cab and have a visit, which I absolutely love. So please help me welcome to the show our new friend, Sarah Quincer. Sarah, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. I really appreciate the invitation. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're kind of doing this mental health series. We, we just released an episode earlier this week because it's one of those things that in the, especially the, the rural middle of nowhere slash middle of everywhere environment, you know, agriculture is very lonely at times. You know, it's a lot of one person doing this or two people doing that. It's not something where you show up to an office every single day and there's 50, 60 employees. So we thought it was extremely important to kind of address some of these issues. Uh, a few months ago, we actually dropped a series talk about succession planning, which is another difficult one. You know, having to talk to mom and dad or brother, sister and figure out where the farm's going to go when someone passes away. That's a very difficult conversation to have. But this one to me is probably just as important, if not more important on your own mental health, because whether you believe it or not, there's always someone out there that loves you and cares about you. And you need to know that. And it's vital that we spread that message. So thank you very much for joining us. I know that I always do a fantastic job with my introductions, but why don't you do a better job and introduce yourself, kind of tell us again a little bit about where you're from, what you do, and and all that good stuff. Sure. So my name's Sarah Quincer. I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor. I've been providing mental health services for just about 20 years. I live in rural Northern Illinois, like you mentioned. I grew up on a farm. My dad was a grain farmer. I married a farmer who was a hog farmer at the time and a grain farmer. We've since got out of hogs, but are still really active in grain farming. My husband owns a small business related to test plots for corn and silage. So we're very busy with a small business and with our uh, home farm. That's fantastic. So I've got to ask you, because I had to deal with hogs when I was growing up as well. And my dad would always tell me, he's like, oh, you smell that, son? And it's like, yeah, it smells like hog manure. And he goes, nope, that's the smell of money, right? <laughs> yep, smells like money. That's what we always say. It does not smell like money. I And I knew <laughs> that because when I was working in the summertime out, you know, scooping manure and I would go to eat lunch. To me, I didn't smell bad, but everyone else around me thought that I smelled bad because of the looks that I was getting. So yeah, hogs, that brings up some memories. 
I feel like we're probably starting a uh, my own counseling session right now talking about the, the memories of dealing with hogs as a child. So <laughs> I digress a little bit. So the kind of the first question that always comes to mind, what are some of those mechanisms or strategies that, that you would recommend to, to maybe a client kind of in their daily lives to kind of help them keep going? Yeah, so there's kind of maybe two parts to that. Well, I'd like to call it an off-season, although I don't know if there really ever is much of an off-season for a farmer. (laughs) There might be busy times and less busy times. Let's call it that. Yes. Uh, So in some of those less busy times, it's really important to maintain your physical health as much as possible too, right? And that can be something super simple, like make sure you're drinking water. Try to eat as regularly as you can. I know those things are challenges, right? So a Snickers bar and a Mountain Dew, right? Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, you know, any port in the storm, but at the same time, uh, you know, if you can do better, uh, it might be to your benefit. So sometimes that might mean, too, if you've got a long day in the office, right, pushing papers, which is everybody's favorite thing to do, see if you can step outside, go for a walk, walk around, move a little, stretch even, you know, just small things like that that seem so simple. I often talk with clients about the idea that simple and easy are not the same thing. Simple requires very few steps, but easy sometimes is a little bit different, right? Mm-hmm. Honestly, be careful about alcohol consumption, right? It can often be a depressant. It can cause sometimes more problems than um, it solves. If you're prone to increased anxiety, watch your caffeine intake. I know that caffeine is like go fuel, but if you're prone to anxiety, it's going to make everything a little bit worse. Yeah, I, so I shouldn't drink the pot of coffee. <laughs> that, that's one of the Maybe things. Maybe you can that, make it half-calf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've i got a buddy and he, in the wintertime, you know, when we say we have this downtime, you know, she'll always come to the meetings and she drinks, uh, I think it's six or eight ounces of coffee a day and that's it. No more, no less. And I'm sitting there on my third cup thinking, man, she's crazy, but like you mentioned, there, you know, you fill that up with water instead of coffee, and it's amazing what it'll do. I know that I brought this up last time too, but I kind of follow a, a fitness guy because I need to be in better shape physically. And he was talking about even before he's like, "Well, before you get your workout in the morning, drink a liter of water." And I thought, "Oh, that's a good idea." Until I got a liter of water and tried to drink <laughs> it all at five thirty in the morning, and it's like, I don't know how in the world. I know none of us are as hydrated, especially as farmers, when we're going, there's no way we're as hydrated as we should be. And that's a huge first step to, to kind of feeling better about yourself. Now, one of the interesting things in our environment that we have to deal with is kind of sensitive on, on the subject of, I kind of brought up succession where you have to deal with family, you know, maybe it's mother, father, sister, brother, something like that. But when you look at the marriage and, and how this affects mental health and family dynamics, I know that those can be greatly impacted as well. You know, again, when you're, when you're out in the combine for five days in a row and you're not home with the, the spouse or the kids or whatever, what advice do you have for those farmers on kind of maintaining a healthy marriage or just like a healthy relationship in general? Yeah, I think communication is really, really important as much as you can, right? 
I understand sometimes the day can get away from you and it's hard to, to do that. You know, it's hard to communicate. I think it goes a long way, right? If you can let your partner know that you appreciate what they're doing, you appreciate that maybe they're holding down the household or maybe they're out there with you or whatever it is they might be doing. Um, you know, for me, for a lot of years, I was at home with the kids while my husband was out farming, right? So now the kids are out there with him driving tractors. So things have changed over the years. But for many years, that communication was so important for us. Him reaching out to me, now it's cell phones. It even used to be CDs or whatever it used to be, right? <laughs> yes. But him reaching out and just connecting and saying like, hey, how's it going in the house? You know, what's happening in there? How are things? What's, go-? you know, as much as you can to try to keep that connection and keep that communication. If you're bouncing around in the tractor and you've got a little time on your hands where maybe your brain's not so busy, even though your hands are, it's a great thing to pick up the phone and connect with your partner, your spouse. Yeah, I think that that is really critical in any healthy relationship so that it's not just one-sided because I know firsthand how that can kind of get sort of one-sided. And so I really appreciate those kind of those remarks on on making sure that, yeah, when you're in the grind, that it's amazing what, I don't want to say a well-thought-out text message, but take a little time. Don't just send the letter K back in a message, <laughs> you know, maybe make it a little bit more thoughtful than that, which I really appreciate because again, when, when we talk about loneliness and, and trying to manage relationships and stuff, you know, we talked about this and I've got to get that stat pulled up. There was a, a stat from the university of Illinois at Champaign that talked about that, you know, really farmers, when you look at industries, are twice as likely as people in other occupations to die by suicide because of all the the stresses that are involved. And really the, I don't know if there's another industry that's more generationally focused, you know, you know, because it's something that you want to pass down. You want to have kids and you want to pass the farm to the next generation. You know, we have clients that talk about that all the time. Well, I'm a sixth generation farmer. I'm a seventh generation farmer. We've shared news of, of Sam from North Central Iowa. He's told the story several times because it's a great story. But he has literally cried in the tractor because he was concerned that the, the farming operation was going to end with the sixth generation. And he was it because the farming practices and all that stuff, they just weren't making ends meet. So knowing that the suicide rate in farmers are extremely high, what do you say to those growers about getting like into more social networks or kind of getting out of that whole loneliness atmosphere? You know, get get out of the tractor cab. I, I hate to say it. And every farmer that's going to listen to me say this is going to think that I'm nuts, but maybe don't go to the farm that day. Maybe go do something that you want to do. What are your thoughts on kind of getting out of that lonely tractor cab? Yeah. And even if you can't afford to be gone for the day, make it an hour or two, you know, do what you can do. If it's not a whole day, then make it an hour or two. It's great. If you could take the day, that'd be amazing. But keep in mind that the social networks around you that you might not always traditionally think of might be things like your church, attending church or a prayer group or something like that, if that's you know something that you're interested in. But think about community meetings. 
growing up, my dad was on our village board. Uh, we live in a tiny rural town, but he was on the village board. He was a Mason. So think about your fraternal organizations, the Masonic Lodges, the Lions Clubs. Often you can kind of choose how much and how often you participate in those events, but it offers you the opportunity to connect with other folks. Think about setting up a monthly breakfast or coffee time with some other local farmers. I mean, what a great opportunity to commiserate and create sort of relationships, right? Think about your Farm Bureau events, 4-H. I know in Southern and Central Wisconsin, they do a ton of farm breakfasts that are usually sponsored by 4-H, but they do just a ton of those. There's one almost every month, if not more often. So all kinds of opportunities if you kind of poke around a little bit. Sure. You know, that really kind of opened up a new light, you know, so we, and, and I love it because you came from the Facebook page also. I'm just about ready to ask this question, you know, especially on our Facebook page. You know, I think we've got a hundred and some thousand followers and that would be kind of cool to, to be able to kind of set up little pockets of, you know, like a, a breakfast in a, a small town where people can go meet. I think that's a great idea. Because I know that the daily grind, especially you livestock producers, it's tough to get away from the farm and try to make that work. I, I always make the joke about livestock, especially you know, the cattle guys. It's like raising 400 teenagers. You know, they never listen. They're never in the right spot. And you, all they do is they want food and then they leave. <laughs> so, yeah, it's tough to get away from the farm. When we, and I, and I love this because this is where you came from, because you follow the page, Karen actually sent a uh, Facebook post out there and it said, when we asked those farmers, hey, if we brought on a mental health specialist on one of our platforms, is there anything specific or, or what would be the things that, that you would want to talk about? And a lot of people, kind of the number one thing was kind of how to set healthy boundaries. And to me, that's vital. I see daily boundaries it, just in the the workplace, you know, whether it's at my own house or whether it's at Buddy's Farm or whatever, boundaries get broken all the time. So how do you set those healthy boundaries? And then I'm going to add to it kind of a, a work-life balance because that's another boundary as well. When, when you're kind of working with families... How is it okay to have those conversations, to set those healthy boundaries and to make sure that you're not working too much or that you're, you know, not being with the family too much. You need to put some more time in the farm. What are your kind of thoughts? Yeah, I think I hate to sound like a broken record, but I think communication obviously is the biggest opportunity here as well. When it comes to work-life balance, let's sort of hit that first. I know this is going to sound sort of revolutionary for some folks, but consider saying yes to some opportunities, right? <laughs> so I think automatically, a lot of times, you know, farm families tend to be really tied to that farm and they say no a lot, you know, nope, can't do that. Nope, can't do that. I joke that there's, you know, a few months out of the year when I don't ever ask my husband about going anywhere or doing anything. I just know that those are not going to be, you know, real possibilities for us during certain times of the year. And that's okay. I've come to accept that, right? But I think it's okay to say yes sometimes too. So consider saying yes to events. That will provide you some of that opportunity we talked about a few minutes ago about connecting with others, right? Just don't make it an automatic no. Give it a second to think about it first and see if it's a possibility. Are, are you telling me that farmers actually have the ability to say yes? I mean, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you need to meet some of our clients. <laughs> 
Um, Wait, you're telling me that I can fertilize with just a liquid program? I don't have to use dry broadcast? I don't believe you. No. That's too funny. (laughs) (laughs) You know, think about as much as you can. And again, I know there are times of the year when this is not as possible, but uh, especially for those grain farmers, but consider kind of creating an end time for your day, right? It's Mm -hmm. not that it has to be super rigid, but, you know, if you find that you're constantly working out till, you know, 10 o'clock at night, Maybe you even set an alarm on your phone for 8 p.m. And you say, okay, 8 p.m. is my cutoff. I'm going to try to hit the house by 8 o'clock or earlier, you know, if you can. Whatever works for you. That's just an example. But And then telling your your other family members that you might be working with, hey, listen, I got to do this. 8 o'clock is my cutoff time. When that alarm goes off, I'm wrapping up, you know, whatever piece I'm working on. I'm going to put the equipment back in the shed. I'm headed to the house. That's a promise I made my spouse. That's a promise I made myself. You really don't have to give an explanation. I find that the best boundaries are really sort of centered around being specific and concrete and don't apologize for doing it, right? Those are all okay things. So, hey, listen, at eight o'clock, I'm headed in. Just to let you know. Yeah. And, you know, especially as, as it kind of relates to those boundaries, again, they need to be healthy and they, they need to be something that you believe in. But also, you, you can't be so rigid, like you said, just to say no all the time. There needs to be some yeses in there as well. Um, and, I, and I think that's vital to anybody's mental health, really. But some of the things, and you mentioned it a little bit ago, and, and I didn't want to bring it up until now. But sometimes it's difficult for us to see kind of on the outside that someone's truly hurting. But I know you, you brought up kind of alcohol. Hey, you know what, maybe let's not open that other case of beer. <laughs> maybe, you know, if if you have one, that's one is good. Or maybe let's try none tonight and see what happens. But what are some of those kind of those warning signs for, you know, for us, you know, maybe we feel fine, but we notice again, the mother, father, sister, brother, cousin, whatever it is that, hey, you know what, they something a little out of the ordinary. What are some of those warning signs that that you would suggest to look for to maybe invite that person to listen to this podcast or or to give you a call? What are some of those warning signs that you can kind of like pinpoint? So withdrawal is going to be the biggest one. Uh, And I know that can be hard to measure sometimes because life gets crazy, especially we're talking about neighbors or something like that, right? We might not always know if it's just hey, the neighbor's super busy and they haven't been able to connect lately or they're kind of withdrawing. But withdrawing from community or family is huge. Isolating. And again, that's a little bit tricky with uh, farm folks, right? Because spending all day in a tractor is expected sometimes. Uh, But that can also look like isolation. Giving up on things that somebody used to enjoy. You know, they were an avid, um, you know, Cubs fan, maybe, let's say. (laughs) And uh, they are no longer following the Cubs or they're not paying attention anymore. They don't seem to be up to date on any of those things, right? Or other hobbies, things that they used to care about, they just don't seem to care about anymore. There are some words that are really sort of should be warning bells to things like, you know, I don't even know why I do this anymore. I don't know why I'm still here. I can't really do anything right. It just seems like nothing's working anymore. My family might be better off if I wasn't doing this. Those are some real things that should create a warning bell inside your head. And if you hear those things, that's a good opportunity to have a conversation with somebody, which kind of leads me into the next step of what do you do, right? Yes. Yes. I was just going to ask that. So, 
You can ask some easy questions, but you can also ask some really hard questions. Oftentimes I tell people that if you're concerned that somebody is suicidal specifically, which I know there can be a lot of space between someone being depressed or isolating versus someone being suicidal, but don't ever hesitate to ask that question if you really think that's something that's going on. You asking the question is not going to encourage somebody to act on that thought. If you're asking it, you probably have an idea that they're already thinking about it anyway. And certainly you're not going to give them a thought that they weren't already having. So it's okay to say, hey, listen, the way you're talking lately, that sounds kind of like maybe I should be a little bit worried about you. Are things going okay? Or, hey, what if we grab some coffee tomorrow morning and let's have a chat? Or, you know, something along those lines as well. I absolutely love that. And I do... I'm going to reiterate what you said about asking the hard question, because I feel like we probably are too surface level with some of our questions. And what I mean by that is if you ask a question and they answer it, nah, I'm doing fine. Just, you know, kind of in a funk today or whatever, you know, I had a flat tire. So now I'm, you know, and I didn't get my coffee. I totally get that. But if you feel like maybe that wasn't the entire truth, I feel like there's more there. By all means, dig a little bit deeper. Don't sit there and think all day long. Oh, man, you know, my buddy or my cousin or my brother, I I don't feel like they were truthful. (laughs) Dig in and say, look, you know what? At noon, we're going to run into town and we're going to sit down and, you know, have a chat or go go somewhere to, to have that conversation. Don't don't allow that. Ah, no, nah, I'm doing all right. And, and just leave it be. Ask the hard questions. If you got to be a jerk about it, be a jerk about it. It's better for that person to be with you tomorrow than for them not to feel that love and, and feel that caring and do something in the night. So, yeah, I absolutely appreciate that very much. So how can kind of the communities and some of these ag organizations that you were kind of talking about with some of the the brunches or breakfasts or lunches, how can they kind of proactively reach out to those people without being really intrusive, especially if it's somebody that you kind of see on the outside that, you, that you're, you're not completely related to, but, but maybe it's someone on the, the farm bureau or something like that, that you're in one of those groups and they're starting to say some of those kind of those key words, or you notice that they're not in the groups much anymore. How can you be that person without being kind of intrusive into their space? One of the best solutions that I've heard about, I think, is to make up a reason to go see the person or go talk to them. Make it, a, it an official reason if it has to be. If Make it Farm Bureau business. Uh, reach out and say, hey, we got this new program. I just wanted to walk you through it really quick. Reach out to the person individually. And if that gives you an opening, if talking about a similar experience or environment or you know the group that you're connected in, if that helps you get an in, get an opening to talk to somebody, why not use whatever resources you have? So start there, right? And if you're not a member of one of those boards and you're trying to connect with somebody, you can still start with a similar experience or environment. Hey, you know, the weather's been really crappy lately. And, you know, out here in Northern Illinois, we're in a drought and things are pretty rough. 
So I know, but I just try to remember that I can't really control the weather, you know, and we've had years like this before and we've always gotten through it. So we're going to do our best to just keep going through it, you know? Yeah, that kind of reminds me of something because I currently going to counseling because I, I felt a little over a year ago that there were some things that I needed to work through that that I needed someone, you know, a professional to kind of help me out with, you know, it wasn't something that I wanted to keep from my family. That certainly wasn't it, but I just needed kind of help beyond the family. And one of the things that I've kind of noticed throughout the years, it's interesting that there's an, isn't an acronym. I'm terrible. I'm really good with math and science. I'm terrible with the English language. Is it an acronym? Um, that's sad, uh, stands for seasonal, Affective disorder. Yes. Thank you very much. Uh (laughs) I think that's an acronym, right? So I have noticed that because in the wintertime, I help out with meetings and and that's the sales time and all that stuff. So I get my high from talking to people, being interactive. And so when I isolate and I'm in a tractor cab or it's, I, I don't farm a ton. I have a half acre of sweet corn. So when I'm at home, you know, just kind of doing daily activity, I sometimes get sad, but it's more in the summertime, which you would think that being warm outside and the sun shining and all that, it's kind of the opposite. Cause that's always the deal with that seasonal, what'd you call it? Seasonal affective disorder. Effective. Yeah. Normally it happens in the wintertime because that's when it's cloudy and snowing and you're not doing anything. So don't think that, that it, you know, it has to be a particular season for you to be sad. It can happen at any time, but just be aware of it. You, you know, that's the biggest thing is to just understand that something is off and that you need to do kind of something about it. The other thing that I wanted to bring up was another difficult conversation because, again, there's so much pride in this ag industry. When you look at like especially financial stress, because I know that that's a lot of a lot of issues. You know, last year, I can tell everybody had a good year by all the new tractors and pickups that they bought. But this year might be a different story. What are some thoughts or suggestions you have for a potential client that's like, look, I don't think that the farm is going to make it another year because of some of the financial decisions we're going to make or or whatever. And they're getting really down and out because of that financial piece. Well, there are a lot of programs uh, nationally and regionally that are intended to help farmers with financial decision making. Right. So some of it requires a little bit of mousing around. But there's a couple of websites that I researched that I saw that offer some of those options, too. So I can send you a list of those two if you want to include them somewhere or sure. uh, but farm aid, farm resource network, farm crisis center. There's one called the farm state of mind. Those all have different kinds of resources available. So some of them are uh, programs. Some of them are financial support systems or financial ad- advice one of them offered a, a mentorship, even um, financial mentorship, so that you could kind of communicate with somebody else who is maybe not involved in your lending or borrowing or the farm itself to provide you with some suggestions or advice. I think on some level, the stress management part of that, though, aside from the specific decision making, which is 
just so individualized to each farm Mm -hmm. has to come back around to some of those general stress management things that we've sort of mentioned earlier on in our conversation, right? Making sure that you're just doing your best to sort of Earlier, we talked about putting things away once in a while or saying yes or saying no or setting some of those boundaries. And I think this is actually one of those places where you have to set a little bit of a boundary in your own mind. You have to sort of say, okay, this is a big problem that's sort of weighing on me. But here it is evening. I'm trying to spend time with my family. I'm going to do my best to sort of try to set that aside for the time being, enjoy some time with my family, try not to focus on that too much. You know, that issue or that question will still be there tomorrow when I go back to work. Yeah. And I'm going to throw a a shameless plug out there. You know, that's how I got started with a better way to farm. I came from the kind of the retail channel. I worked at a co-op and then I was a DSM for some seed companies and I wanted to be out on my own. I felt like I could do it better than the companies were, were telling me. So I ran into a fella and now he's one of my best friends. We actually share an office together. I've heard him a lot on the podcast, but Preston, he came to me and approached me and said, Hey, Rod and I are doing this, a better way to farm thing. And we'd like you to come check it out. And it's like, that's fantastic. But you know, I don't farm. So how, you know, how can I be a part of this organization and not farm. Well, so all I do, I, I help out with some of these podcasts and I am on the sales team, been on the sales team since 2014. So we are always looking for, you know, people, it doesn't matter where you live, what your background is, anything like that. You know, the cool thing is that we don't have any quotas or anything. You get out of it, what you put into it. And, and so what we do really fits well with a farmer that maybe is looking to add a little bit of money on the side as well. So I'm not, I'm not saying that that's your, the end all be all to financial stress, but you know, if there's growers listening to this and they just need, you know, maybe it's money for a vacation because you know, the, the kids are getting older and they say, dad, we've never been on a vacation. Maybe you need five, six, $8,000 to go on vacation. That, that's something that, you know, if you just hit us up and say, Hey, you know, do you guys have an opportunity on the sales side for us to be a part of that? We absolutely do. So there are some side hustles out there that kind of help. I I know that it's tough to say, Hey, I've got to leave the farming operation full time. But honestly, I had to make that decision when I was 18 years old. I, I came from a small farm. Both of my parents worked, you know, quote unquote city jobs. And I knew that our farming operation was not large enough for me to go back and farm. And that's it's tough and it's no fun, but sometimes those are the real decisions that we've got to make. So yeah, I really do appreciate the thoughts on, on kind of ha- how to handle that financial stress. Maybe if it's, hey, just go be with your family, leave it alone for a little bit and, and kind of revisit that tomorrow and get your bearings straight. As we kind of close this out, I want to ask a few more questions. But again, as we think of being in rural America, literally in the middle of everywhere, I always make that joke that we're in the middle of nowhere, but the middle of everywhere, mental health resources are kind of few and far between. Um, You know, if you live in a big city, you know, Des Moines, Omaha, Kansas City, Chicago, whatever, it's a lot easier to get access to, to some mental health resources. I mentioned earlier in the introduction that you do telehealth, which is fantastic. And I don't know. I'll have you expand on it if you're um, able to cross state lines or how you kind of view telehealth. Um, but it really changed the game in getting mental health 
because it's literally just a phone call away and you can sit there and and I feel like there's something to face to face more than just, you know, on the phone hearing a voice. But when you look at that access to some of these resources, what suggestions do you have that farmers can kind of turn to for that assistance? Well, so telehealth is an amazing resource. I'll tell you that w- one of the the positive things that actually came out of the COVID pandemic was that most insurance companies made an agreement to start yep. paying for telehealth resources. And prior to that, almost none of them did. So I will say that, you know, of all the things that came out of COVID, at least there was that, that was sort of a positive thing. It really opened up access to telehealth services. So that has been really amazing and a really great opportunity. I have done sessions with farmers who are in tractors. You know, that's not a joke. It's an option now. So unfortunately, yeah, I'm limited by my licensure, allows me to only practice in Illinois. So personally, that's my um, situation. You can be licensed in other uh, states. So other therapists or counselors in your area may be licensed to practice in multiple states or something like that. So that is an option. If, um, you know, if the therapist that's closest to you is an hour away, that's a pretty big commitment to be gone from the farm for, you know, an hour to drive there, an hour to spend there and an hour to get back. But if you thought about the idea that if this were a physical health appointment, would you pause quite as much? I have to, I know it's risky to answer that question because sometimes farm folks aren't always the greatest at taking time out to care for their physical needs either. But if you have that opportunity and you can meet with a therapist, even just to do your initial meeting with a therapist or every other, and maybe you could do telehealth for the opposite ones, you know, that you could stay connected with somebody. It doesn't mean you have to attend every appointment in person, but maybe getting to know that person, seeing if they're a good fit and listen. I'm not for everybody. My personality doesn't fit everybody. If you find a therapist that isn't for you, look for another one. There's plenty of us. Yes. I I was just going to say that. Just get started and don't give up. That's kind of a motto that that we've used kind of in what we do, but it fits so many things. And, And to me, Go see that counselor, that that therapist, and see if it's for you. And if the person doesn't click, but you feel like it could, go find another one. Because the craziest thing of all is that we spend, especially for livestock people, we spend every day taking care of animals that we want to be as healthy as possible. We need to be as healthy as possible. You know, that's all... You know, I'm a quote unquote, you know, this agronomist. Well, that's literally what I try to do every day is keep plants healthy. But if I'm not keeping myself healthy, what's the point in in trying to make the the healthiest plants or the healthiest animals if I'm not as healthy as I could be? So it's, again, kind of an interesting dynamic, but one one that you have to ask that serious question about and, and say, hey, there's resources out there. Do a quick Google search. And I don't know if that's, is that the best way? I'm, I'm going to ask for your information here in a second, because the other thing that I'm going to mention to you listener that's that's listening to this right now, you certainly never want to lie, but there's no way Sarah's going to know if you're calling <laughs> from a different state. I'm just saying. <laughs> so again, we don't want to lie about where we're calling from because she's only licensed in Illinois, but <laughs> if... If it happens to be out of state, no one will ever know. 
Except that your home address and your insurance information is a little bit of a tip off sometimes. <laughs> so just so you that's know. Probably true. That's probably true. And I will also attest to the insurance thing. You, you know, I'm assuming some insurances may not cover it, but I know that a lot of insurance companies will absolutely help pay for or pay everything for mental health nowadays. I mean, it's it's huge. I don't want to say a buzzword anymore because it's it shouldn't be a buzzword. In the ag community, we probably view it as a buzzword, but it, but it's vital to the health and success of us, our farming operations, and our families in the future. So. With that being said, Sarah, how do we get a hold of you if we have any more questions or or maybe it's, hey, you know, I'm actually from Colorado or Kansas or Texas. Can you help me find a provider in my area that that would suit me? How can our listeners get a hold of you? Sure. Well, um, you can reach my office line. There's a phone number or also you could send an email to my office. So my direct office line is 779-263. 6279. That gets you a voicemail. Leave a message because obviously if I'm in session uh, during the day, I don't answer my phone. And it's not manned on the weekend. So just to be clear about that, it's not um, a resource for an emergency situation. But it is great if you're looking for some resources, I'll do what I can do to help. The email that you could use would be Sarah, S-A-R-A dot Quincer, Q-U-I-N-C-E-R at E-E-Health, H-E-A-L-T-H dot O-R-G. Okay, fantastic. Before you go on, I wanted to mention one more thing, though, too. Listen, if it was an emergency situation, if this is an urgent situation, if you are immediately concerned about yourself or a family member, there are a couple of options. You can certainly dial 911. You know the response you'll get from that. But you can also access a national suicide and crisis line. That number is 988. So just like a 911 call, it's a simple three-digit number, 988. There's also a crisis text line. It's a national number. You text the word HOME, H-O-M-E, to the number 741741. You can actually communicate via text message. So those are some really great national resources. There are many more resources in individual areas. I know there are a number of crisis lines here in Northern Illinois. I'm sure where you guys are listening from, there are some area resources for you as well. So there would be a quick Google search of your area would probably populate a lot of options for you in that way too. That's fantastic. You kind of reread some of that stuff. So sarah.quincer at eehealth.org is how to get a hold of you. And then that I, I knew about that 988 number. So yeah, if you are are, are having... Any thoughts at all? Absolutely. You know, that 988 number, or I didn't realize that to text home to that 741741 number, that's a phenomenal resource. So again, if you're feeling pretty down and out, if you know someone that that seems like they're withdrawn, please, please, please contact them. Get a hold of Sarah at the information provided. If you've got to contact uh, one of these crisis hotlines, please, please do so. And Sarah, thank you so much for the time today. It was great getting to know you and educate us on kind of rural mental health and the unique aspects we face kind of living in the middle of everywhere. So again, thank you. I appreciate all your time. And I really do look forward to hopefully crossing paths one of these days soon. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me again. Take care. Hey, friend. Thanks for listening. As we close out, I want to remind you, 
as always, to have a better day. You're listening on the Verbal Crowd Network. Find more great shows at verbalcrowd.com.